Hello and welcome to this episode of the ESG Fitness Podcast. Today I'm going to share with you, I think, about eight frameworks that I like to live by and I think have massively improved my life and I hope will massively improve your life. So not to big this episode up too much, but it's going to be truly life-changing. And I've just had my Invisalign change, so now I have more of a lisp than I normally do, so you're welcome for that as well. Okay, the first one is the 8pm rule. Now, this is also, I also extrapolate this out to the three to four days before your period rule, or insert like however that might be for you. Maybe it's just one day, maybe it's a whole week, who knows. Essentially, the rule is never make important decisions after 8pm or the three to four days before your period. This tends to be, at least when I, and let's be real, probably when you make your worst decisions. It tends to be when your feelings are least related to actual reality, as in you're not very rational at all. And I tend to sway towards making decisions that my future self will not be grateful for. So if a choice or decision is important, I either make it beforehand or I delay making the decision. As an example, I don't make big business decisions in the evening or the week before my period. Most of them can wait and the outcome is always significantly better if I do wait. I mean, part of that's probably just because you have more time to think about it as well. But also part of it is because my mood is significantly lower. My, what's the right word? Like patience, I guess, is significantly lower. And I tend to have like a slightly more negative outlook on everything generally. So I know that about myself and I know that trait. So I'm like, I'm not going to make decisions at that time, right? And then in the evening, really the evening is more just about the fact that, hey, you know what, you've probably got pretty bad decision fatigue from having made decisions all day or been on all day. Or if you're like an early bird, then, you know, like I've been up since five, I'm definitely not making good decisions past 8pm. So that's generally how I play that. In regards to the week before your period, this is a really useful one for dieting as well. I decide on my diet for the three to four days before my period and I make a commitment to it and then I stick to it 100% rather than only committing 98% and giving yourself that 2% to convince yourself, actually, you probably do need an extra three bars of chocolate. I'm actually, most people, maybe not most people, but a lot of people decide that they'll give themselves a little bit more leeway at that time. Now, if that works for you, that is incredible, don't change anything, it's working, no need to fix it. If you find, like me, that no matter how much you bring up your calories, or even if you do include a little chocolate bar, or you make some allowances, or you come up to maintenance if you're in a deficit, that actually nothing will kind of like quench your um, cravings. What a weird way to say that, quench your cravings. Anyway, nothing will fulfill what what would be the right anyway you're still going to have cravings no matter what then I just ignore them I'm like these are like insatiable cravings even if I eat some chocolate I'm still going to want more chocolate it's not in line with my goals it's not gonna 
make my life better in any way. So I just decide actually I'm more strict during that time because I know I'm more likely to make poorer decisions. So that is my first rule. It is the 8pm rule slash the three to four days before your period rule, which now makes it sound way less succinct. But think about that. It's mainly just the premise is not making decisions when you know you make poor decisions. Wow, that was simple. Probably didn't have to take the first, how many minutes are we into the podcast? Like four minutes to explain that because that's it in a nutshell. Okay, the next rule is the 10 by 30 rule. I think I stole this from Sahil Bloom, who tweets a lot and I think works more in like finance and investments. But anyway, the premise is if you want to get better at something or if you want to form a habit, break it down into something that you can do for 10 minutes a day and then commit to doing it for 30 days. So it might be that you really want to get better at pull-ups. So you're going to commit to doing, I mean, you probably wouldn't even do 10 minutes a day, but you might do like, I'm going to commit to doing three sets of pull-ups a day, every single day for the next 30 days. Watch how much better that you get. Now I do want to mention here, because whenever I say this, people are like, what about recovery? It's bad to train the same muscle group again and again and again. You're completely right. Now I'm not saying take your lats, which are probably like lats and biceps, I guess, are probably the the biggest muscles you're using in your pull-up, take them to absolute failure every day. No, I'm saying do three sets of pull-ups. That's very different, right? You can, and if you need to work up to it because you're not recovering, you might start with just doing one set and then improve on that. But this is basically like basic fitness, right? Because people say, oh, you know, you can't recover from X amount. Well, my body is now used to that. It probably actually doesn't add much stimulus anymore because every day I get up and do that, which means that's a normal thing for my body to be able to do. It can absolutely recover from it. Now, if you've never done pull-ups before, or you've never, let's say it's push, it could be any exercise, right? And you start doing three sets a day, that might be too much for you to recover from depending on your initial fitness level. Same as with like, if I went and did what one of my best mates Shelly does in CrossFit every day, there's no way I could possibly recover from that given the fitness level that I'm at. But I would have to start smaller and then build my way up to that. And then I would be able to recover from it, right? So it's all about like your recovery rate is linked to your fitness and what your body's used to. And you can increase that. Um, What was the other thing I was going to say on that? Oh, also great example from Helen on Commit to Six who committed to 42 days of learning Italian and now she's basically Italian. Yeah, so there you go. She did Duolingo. I was going to say Duolipa. (laughs) Pretty sure that's the singer. Anyway, one of the two she did for uh, 42 days for just, just 10 minutes a day. That's it. And now she is Italian. So there you go. That could be you. The, the premise of this is you will be surprised what you could achieve when you commit just 10 minutes a day to something for a long enough period of time. Now, this links me into the next point, which is never miss two in a row. So you might think, oh, I'm going to do it every day for 30 days. But hey, do you know what? Life gets in the way sometimes. So you do miss a day. Instead of thinking I've ruined absolutely everything now, you take the premise of I don't miss two. Right, so this is a pretty simple concept. If you mess up one day, get yourself back on track the next day. And a lot of people go the complete opposite of this. 
and they're like, oh, I've messed up today. No point getting back on track until Monday. Or they beat themselves up or they think they've ruined everything. So there's no point trying anymore. Actually, if you miss a day, it's even more important to do the next day. And slip ups are absolutely inevitable. But it's how you respond to them. That's what has the, the impact on your progress. So commit to getting back on track the next day because as if you've listened to more than one episode of this podcast, you'll probably know it's not falling in the river that drowns you. It's staying submerged. In other words, it's your response. Get yourself out of the river. There's another saying that is seen on like Instagram quotes. Life is like 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond. And as much as it's a bit cheesy, it really is true. Next up, we have the best method in the world to get started. I know that's a bold claim, but I call it the oh actually method. And essentially the premise is that you just start. Whatever it is, you commit to taking that smaller step. So if you're thinking about going for a run, be like, oh God, I don't know if I can be bothered to go for a run. Just commit to putting on your shoes and doing 30 seconds of running. That's it. That's all you're going to say. You're basically just tricking your mind into, I'm just going to do 30 seconds of this. If I've done that, then fine. Once you do that and you're outside and you've got your running shoes on, you're like, oh, oh, actually, do you know what? I think I'll just keep running for a minute or two. And then you're like, oh, well, you know what? I'm out, I'm out here now. So I'll just keep going. And it's not as bad as what I expected. And before you know it, you've nailed your run. And you can apply this to all areas of your life, right? It could be, oh, I really don't want to start that project. or I don't want to start writing that slide deck for the next talk. And then, right, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to write the title slide and then I'm going to do the overview slide. And once you start, it is so much easier to keep going. And normally you realise it's not the mammoth task that you thought it was in your head I just said task in the weirdest way it's not the mammoth task um so that's that get started break it down into like the smallest thing there's another saying about this I think it's just called like the five minute method or something which is essentially just commit to doing five minutes of whatever it is and then if you still want to do more great if not at least you've done five minutes but the likelihood is once you start it's actually not half as bad and then you get into it it's the creating the momentum of starting it's it's getting past the inertia of getting going that's the hard part so you need to break that down into small bite-sized pieces and then my favorite one is reframing as in what positive can i find in this situation there is almost always a positive to be found if you look for it and your life will be so much more enjoyable if you start consciously looking for positives this is one of the key things that people get from working with me and I know that they come for fat loss the majority of the time but this is so much more impactful and the thing is it all links in it's so much easier to make positive changes when you're in the right mood to do it and your mood is so heavily influenced by how you respond to what's going on around you. Do you let someone cutting you off in the car in the morning mean that you turn up to work in a bad mood, that you snap at your colleagues, that you generally have a shitty day because of one small thing? Or do you think, oh, maybe that person actually really needed to get somewhere 
and I'm not going to let it ruin my day. I'm just going to move on. Or do you let missing the train in the morning mean that you're rushed and you're kind of angry and stressed all day? Or do you use that time to, I don't know, listen to this podcast and then choose that I'm just going to be late. I'm not going to be late and stressed because that's your choice. You can either turn up late, stressed, pissed off, angry at the world because you got up 10 minutes later. Or you can be like, I'm already late. I can't do anything about that. But I can still show up at my best. And I can still look and see if I can find a positive in this situation. And then this... (laughs) That was... (laughs) I'm just going to leave that in. That... I hate these braces so much. Why are they so hard to speak? to speak with right okay then that (laughs) apparently this is not a word that um is easily said by my mouth at the moment and then that impacts you (laughs) Ah! that impacts your food choices and quite honestly more broadly your enjoyment of life how you show up to others around you and then consequence consequent (laughs) as a consequence of that the impact that you have on them Do you want to be that positive person that brings like joy into their life and that people love being around? Or do you want to have a negative impact on people? Are you leaving them better than you found them? Your energy is contagious. So make sure that you're, as Andy would say, a radiator and not a drain. Like, are you giving warmth and energy? Do you leave people happy that they bumped into you? Not do you suck the joy out of a room? And sure, like, I'm sure that, you know, everyone comes here primarily for fat loss. But there is nothing really more important than this. And as a bonus, a really nice bonus, this will also help fat loss too. Better mood, better choices, better life, all around. The next framework is regret minimization. This frame I use to think about decisions because things can seem really unclear in the moment because you're in it, usually because you lack perspective. And this way of thinking forces you to think longer term. So essentially you're thinking, what would you regret doing or what would you regret not doing? What will your future self be grateful for? What choice is more in line with my values at the moment? And when you ask questions like that and you kind of mold your motivation to how do I minimize regret for myself? Even thinking broader, like longer term, like I'm sure most people have heard of, there's like a a really famous article about the regrets of the dying. And even thinking about that and being like, okay, well, like, what am I going to regret when I'm 70, 80? What will I regret not doing? And what, what will I be like, oh, I shouldn't have cared so much about that. Or I shouldn't have let, I mean, you're certainly going to think, I shouldn't have let how many calories are in this blah, 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 ruin this incredible dinner that I'm having with my family. You'll definitely regret that. That's the kind of framework. You need to start thinking about that when you're making decisions. And then finally, the the rule I lived my whole life by, <laughs> imperfect action. Because life is never going to be perfect and expecting it to be is just denying reality. Much like the scales will always fluctuate. And you can choose to get annoyed by that or you can choose to accept that that is reality and that will always happen and then you move on. Imperfect action is about focusing on what you can do and letting go of what you can't. What can you do in this moment? Because 
you're not going to have the perfect day every single day, but you can make the best choices that you can given the options that you have. And that is what imperfect action is about. It will also just stop you procrastinating forever until you finally think that something is perfect. And by the way, that will never come because you're ne- if you're a true perfectionist, you will never actually let anything be perfect and thus you'll never start. I work with a lot of coaches now on AFM who are incredible, but this comes up a lot. I'm just not quite sure if I want to launch my program yet because I don't think it's quite perfect yet. It cannot be perfect until you start. Until you start, until you get feedback, until you improve on it. Like, I'd started Commit to Six, it was nowhere near perfect. And it's nowhere near perfect now. But it's better than it was because I started. If I'd just waited years and years and years, the the way that you get something better is by trying and then learning from your mistakes and getting feedback and improving on it. And you can't know what's going to work until you start. And that is why it's so important to take imperfect action. And this is actually exactly the same with your diet. You're probably not going to know what works for you until you start. In fact, you're definitely not going to know. You're certainly not going to know exactly the balance that works for you before you start. That's why starting, even as an example with your calories, as a sensible calorie target and then monitoring and adapting as needed is the only way to do it. People fixate so much on exact calorie targets. And this calculator said this, and this one said 50 calories lower. Like, how could I possibly know what to do? The truth is, you won't know what to do until you start. I hope that this episode and these frameworks have been useful. I hope that you apply them to your lives and they make them even just a little bit slightly better. If you've enjoyed it and you think that someone you know might also enjoy it, please send them this episode. And if you haven't rated the podcast, I would love it if you did. And I just want to wish you an absolutely marvellous day. And honestly, I can only apologise for the amount of lisping that has happened. Not even that, you know what, it's not even lisping. It's just like, not a great time. (laughs) 